Welcome to RC Talk, the voice of Ratio Christi at Marshall University. My name is John Mays. I'm your host. I'm also the chapter director at Marshall, along with being the regional director for the states of West Virginia and Pennsylvania. Um, today I want to go back to the basics. I mean, I think that's a good place to review always. Uh, if we can't answer the basic questions, then... You know, we need to look at that and figure out what the problem is. Although, as I've stated many times in the past, I don't think we're talking to anybody. And that's probably the main topic or the main problem. Um, I just shared another survey on my personal Facebook page that states 59% of millennials are leaving the church. And I don't know really what it's going to take, but... I'm doing everything I know to do and trying to convince people that, you know, doing what we've been doing since I've been alive or since I can remember anyway is not working. You can't tell somebody that the Bible says something if they don't believe the Bible. Well, I mean, you can tell them, but I'm not sure what good that's going to do. So let's review what the basics are uh, as far as Orthodox, and that's with a small o, and if you need to know what orthodox means, that strictly means the truth, the true Christianity, and figure out where we came from and how we got where we're at. Um, I'm going to talk about a few different things, but there's so many people that claim to be Christian, and most people don't know the difference of what true Christianity actually is, and I don't know if it's another one of those things we don't care because we don't tell them that they're wrong either. And we all can't be right. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of people that believe things, but they believe them incorrectly. (laughs) Maybe that's not nice. I don't know. But anyway, uh, what defines Christianity? Let's look at it. What do we believe and where did it come from? Uh, Is there one true Christianity? I mean, is everyone or everyone that, con- that confesses or professes Christianity, are they Christians just because they say so? I mean, apologetics is not the answer to everything. I think apologetics is vitally important, obviously, because that's where God's placed me. But apologetics isn't defending the Baptists or the Methodists or, you know, any other so-called denomination but christianity in and of itself is true and when somebody asks you why you're a christian my personal answer and what i think your answer should be is because it's true don't 
start going into some big tale about how great God's been to you because, you know, people are dying every day that profess to be Christians, and that's what they're dying for is because they won't deny Christianity. So it's something to think about anyway. Uh, Dr. Norman Geisler, I always use his example as far as Christianity goes. And then there's one Bible, two testaments, three creeds, four councils, and five centuries. And I'm going to go into a little bit more detail there uh, because it's a little bit more in-depth. And it, it's <laughs> for our purposes, it'll suffice. How's that? Orthodox Christianity. And again, the word orthodox comes originally from Greek words orthos, meaning right and true, and doxa, meaning opinion. These two words were combined to form the Greek verb orthodoxian, um, and that simply means to have the right opinion. So where do we go from there? The English adjective orthodox comes from this Latin adject, uh, adjective. Sorry, I seem to be having a hard time pronouncing and talking, but once again, I have that L.A. twang, <laughs> as some people say, and L.A. being the Logan area, which is in southern West Virginia. It's where we originate this podcast from. Way off topic. So the Bible, the Bible in itself, uh, it's one book. It contains 66 separate books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. It's written by 40 different authors over 1,600 years by men 2,000 miles apart. What about the Apocrypha, people ask? Well, the Apocrypha was canonized by the Catholic Church in Oh, 15, 15, 1539, somewhere in the 1500s. I can't think of it off the top of my head. And a lot of people will say, well, Catholics aren't Christians because they use a different book. They use the same Bible with additional books. If you don't know what the Apocrypha is, you need to Google it. I know people don't like when I say that. I had a boy tell me that. And then there's the King James only folks. Uh, I really don't grasp that. I mean, they want to say that that's the only Bible that is uh, correct, and that's not a true statement on their part. In fact, the King James was, the 1611 version was authorized by King James, but they used copies from A.D. 900, and we have a lot better manuscripts prior to A.D. 900 for our later translations. So why not use the best of what we have? One book, 66 separate books inside that book. We got the Old Testament from um, around, anyway, A.D. 250. And we have the New Testament not before BC, 100 B.C., but in all actuality it was confirmed, for lack of better terms, uh, in 393 at, the, at one of the councils, and we'll talk about that as well. No early church council, though, decided on the canon, which means 
the Bible, the 66 books we have. It was God and God alone who determined which books belonged in the Bible. It was simply a matter of God's imparting to his followers what he had already decided. The human process of collecting the books were flawed, but God, but God, in his sovereignty and despite our ignorance and stubbornness, brought the early church to the recognition of the books he had inspired. We have the Dead Sea Scrolls containing every book of the Old Testament except Ruth. The New Testament, we have more manuscripts than any other historical document. We have archaeological proofs, um, prophecy, and secular sources than any other ancient document. So I'm really not sure what the problem is with the Bible or why we don't know these answers. I even let my six-year-old son, a couple of podcasts back, read you an easy way to uh, remember why we believe the Bible to be true, and that's the manuscripts, archaeology, prophecy, and secular sources, maps. Um, three creeds, and I'm going here with, if you look back to what I said, that Orthodox Christianity is one book, two testaments that I just talked about, three creeds, and a lot of people don't agree with creeds, and they say they want to scream Bible only, and they're going to, I'm going to tell you a little bit about that with the councils as well, but without the creeds, we wouldn't have the Bible. Um, you need to look the creeds up. Uh, I, I, you can argue all day long as far as that goes, but the three creeds are the Nicene Creed uh, in A.D. 325, the Chalcedonian Creed in A.D. 451, and the Apostles' Creed at A.D. 390, and it was last changed in a, uh, 750. So you need to know what these creeds probably say. And I'm not, we, I don't have enough time because I have a lot more I want to touch on here to go into that. But the councils, there are four councils. And again, most professing followers have no idea about things like this. And the councils are, were a group of men that come together just like we have deacons and elders and uh, church members that come together to make decisions for the church. The councils were doing that as well. Uh, the Council of Nicaea took place in AD 325 by order of the Roman Emperor Constantine. Um, the council overwhelmingly affirmed the deity and eternal eternity of Jesus Christ and defined the relationship between the Father, the Son, as one substance. And it also affirmed the Trinity. So how do you just say, well, I'm just going to go by the, the Bible alone when you know, you have a council that's making these decisions because that was a huge problem back in that time frame. And the Bible doesn't even mention Trinity. Uh, the council didn't invent the doctrine or the deity of Christ, but they affirmed the apostles' teaching of who Christ is, the one true God, 
the second person of the Trinity, with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And those things are listed in the creeds. Uh, <clears throat> Council of Constantinople, 8381, uh, rejected the teaching of the Apollonians, who said that Jesus' divine nature had displaced his human mind and will. According to them, Jesus was not fully man, a teaching that Second John 1-7 warns against. So you have to, this is basic history, and that's why I felt like at this point maybe we should go back and look at the basics of what we believe and why we believe it. So, anyway, prayerfully this will help as I get through it. Oh, I seem to be struggling. Maybe, I don't know. I need another drink of tea. Uh, the Council of Ephesus at AD 431, uh, according to the Council, and a lot of these words you've never heard of, and it doesn't really matter. You just need to know that the councils, and I guess, have a basic idea of what they did. Uh, Nestorianism overemphasized the human nature of Jesus at the expense of the divine. Divine, the council denounced Nestorius's teaching as erroneous. So we've always had false teachers throughout history, and you get mad at me when I try to point out today's false teachers, and I've not been doing that as much lately. But this council decreed that Jesus was one person, not two separate people. He was fully God and fully man with a rational soul and body. The council also declared that the text of the Nicene Creed decreed at the first and second ecumenical councils to be complete and forbade any additional change. So these councils were making some serious decisions concerning the history of Christianity and where we came from. And here you go, this final one that I'm going to talk about anyway. There were a lot more councils, but these are the four main councils that Christianity is established on. The Council of Chalcedon at AD 451, and if I'm pronouncing these wrong, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I do the best I can do. Um, AD 451, a city in Asia Minor, the, city's, the council's ruling was an important step in further clarifying the nature of Christ and the orthodox doctrine of the Trinity. The council also laid the groundwork for one of the most significant events in ecclesi ecclesiastical history, the Great Chisholm. And most people, again, don't know what that is, and that's okay. Just know that we have four councils and uh, they talk mainly about the divinity of Christ, and they also brought the books of the Bible together. Don't get me wrong, and I've already said it, that God decided the books. The council strictly affirmed what books made up the Bible, and there were only 66, but there's a lot more books out there. Uh, the Essentials, oh, and here's where we get in trouble. <laughs> the Essentials, and this is not only where we get in trouble, this is where a lot of division happens, 
and these are foundational. If you believe these, then you can profess to be a Christian. If you don't, then you don't fall under the Christian heading. Okay? I can't help how that sounds or whatever you think about that. Or, you know, I get a lot of objections to that. I don't. A lot of people do. But the essentials of Christian doctrine, and that's why we have so many of these different denominations and such things as that. I told somebody last week, churches divide over the color of the carpet. Do you not think they divide over the Trinity and uh, old earth, young earth? Basic stuff that is an essential Old earth and young earth or theistic evolution has no bearing on your salvation. That's why these are called essentials. If you've never heard of young earth and old earth or theistic evolution, that's for a different day. Remember, I'm trying to review the basics so that we have a better understanding of Christianity, I guess, or the importance of apologetics and why you should be able to answer or have these type of conversations. If somebody asks you why you're a Christian, well, because it's true. Well, what makes it true? Well, the first essential is the deity of Christ. Jesus is God. Even though he never said directly, I am God in the scripture, he makes it very clear that he is God, especially to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Yeah, Sadducees, at, that he is God. John 10.30 says, I and the Father are one. So you must believe that Jesus is God. Uh, and most people are good with that. They're like, all right. Salvation by grace. This one gets us in trouble sometime. We are all sinners separated from God and deserving of eternal punishment for our sin. Jesus' death on the cross paid for the sins of mankind, giving us access to heaven and eternal re- and an eternal relationship with God. Ephesians 2.8 Salvation is by grace alone, nothing else. If you say, well, you have to be baptized. That's not true. So, you know, Salvation is a free gift of God. There is nothing to go along with that, no other books, no other beliefs, nothing, which is the third essential. Salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. A truly provocative question to ask someone might be, do all roads lead to God? Sounds easy enough, huh? Well, the truth is that all roads do lead to God. Some are wide, some are narrow. The scariest verse in the entire Bible, to me anyway, is Jesus speaking and him saying, Depart from me, I never knew you. So all roads do indeed lead to God. And here's one that you definitely need to be able to give an answer for why you believe it, uh, and because it's a vital essential If it's not true, then Christianity is false. The resurrection of Jesus. There's no other event in the Bible aside from Jesus' appearance on earth that is as significant to the Christian faith as that of the resurrection. And the resurrection is a historical event. If you can prove me otherwise, one of my friends 
do what I do. Just put on Facebook that uh, if you can prove the resurrection false, we'll give it up. And that's biblical, boys and girls. That's not just being, yeah, well, whatever. Well, that's biblical. First Corinthians 15. Paul spells out what the gospel is and how important it is to embrace it and share it with others. Well, why do I say to go, jump to the gospel? Because the resurrection is the gospel. You don't need to know all these terms, justification, sanctification, glorification. I mean, yeah, those are all great, and the, you need to have a foundation of what they are, but the gospel is short, simple, and to the point. And this is what we're supposed to be sharing. Uh, he Paul reminds the Corinthians that the gospel he preached among them, that Christ died for our sins according with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. And he goes on to say later on in that same chapter that if this is not true, we are wasting our time, basically. He says if the resurrection didn't happen, our faith is in vain. So you must believe in monotheism. Quite simply, that's strictly one God. Yes, there is Jesus and the Holy Spirit, but there is one God. Exodus 23 states very powerfully, You shall have no other gods before me. Monotheism is the belief that there is only one God to be worshipped and served. That is vital. And the Trinity. While the concept of a three-in-one God is demonstrated frequently throughout Scripture, the word is never written. And this goes back to loving God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. I mean, Jesus was quoting Old Testament. So if the New Testament is reliable, which we can show it is, then Jesus confirms the Old Testament. I mean, I take him as a pretty reliable source. That would make the Old Testament reliable. But this is Christianity. And it's not real hard. The problem comes in through the gospel that people add to it or change it or make it just meet their need. The resurrection, uh, the deity of Christ. I mean, people want to use Acts 2.38 about baptism. And that just, Acts 2.38, first of all, is history. Second of all, it destroys Christianity because it takes you to a, a completely different domination denomination that Peter said uh, believe and be baptized for the remission of sins baptism does not save save you and in the name of Jesus and we don't baptize in the name of Jesus and if you do then once again this is harsh those that baptize in the name of Jesus only are not Christian they don't fall under Orthodox Christianity. Well, what makes us right and you wrong? That goes back to why you need to know the historic foundations of Christianity. That's the importance of the creeds. That's the importance of the councils. These things establish what Christianity is, what the apostles who walked with Jesus claim that Christianity is. Is baptism an essential? No. Should you be baptized? Of course, out of obedience. But 
most people won't answer the question. Okay, so if I accept, I'm sitting on my couch one day, not me personally, someone is sitting on their couch one day, the Holy Spirit moves in their heart, been working in their heart, and they're like, you know, I'm lost. I'm in need of a Savior. And they get saved. They're not going to go out back and jump in the pool and get baptized. What They may not be baptized for weeks. So what happens if they die? Are they still saved? Of course they are. But some people argue that, well, you know, we serve a big God. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say. Yeah, the Bible does say. Baptism is a sacrament just like what we call the Lord's Supper or Communion. Um, so, a quick review. <laughs> Apolog- apologetics, sorry. Historic Christianity, one Bible, two testaments, three creeds, four councils, five centuries. That means it was completed within five. Historic Christianity was done. We, we've not changed, or we shouldn't have changed, with after the first 500 years, because everything established was established then. Nothing has changed since then. The Bible hasn't changed. Uh, nothing. Anyway, this or that is Christianity. Uh, we talked about the essentials. We talked about the first 500 years and what took place. And that's the truth. If you don't believe me or if you believe otherwise, please email me or something, talk to somebody, but I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. Christianity's testable. There's no other uh, religion that can be verified. All right. Real quick, I will throw this out there simply because it's written down here. The church fathers. um, I know. What do you mean by church fathers? Well, the church fathers fall into three basic categories. Apostolic fathers, uh, anti-Nicene church fathers, and post-Nicene, actually before Nicene and after Nicene church fathers. They can be traced historically to the apostles and their outside sources to the Bible. When we talk about the reliability of the Bible, you can look at these guys and they can we can be 99.5% sure that what we have is the Bible. Same Bible they had. Based on their writings, you have Clement of Rome, who wrote First Clement. Uh, it was used prior to the canon of the New Testament. Ignatius was a student of John. Uh, he mentions letters of Paul. He was martyred. Polycarp was a student of John also. He was burned at the stake. Irenaeus wrote the first apologetic work. He was a student of Polycarp. And you can see this is how it's, when you make disciples, disciples make disciples. Ignatius, Polycarp, Irenaeus. Clement of Alexandria is a philosopher. Uh, He wrote about Gnosticism. Tertullian, writer of theology and apologetic material, introduced the term Trinity. Origen, uh, earliest Christian commentaries on the Bible, some views not mainstream Christianity. Uh, Athenius of Alexandria was on record to identify the 27 books of the New Testament as we know it on, in an Easter letter 
dated A.D. 367. And again, Augustine of Hippo, first major philosophical apologist of Christianity, Book of Confessions, Struggle with Women, may have formalized the canon in A.D. 393. So, I know that was quick. Well, I may have rattled a little too long on some of the rest of it, but the whole point was going back to the basic, being able to answer these questions. If you're a Christian, you should be a Christian because it's true. Why is it true? Because it's testable. Because we have all this documentation. And we need to be concerned about what's going on in our church. When 59% of our kids are leaving the faith, you need to be able to have a conversation with your kid, much less anybody else. But again, questions, answers, uh, email me at John Mays. <laughs> Not at John Mays, I'm sorry. You can email me uh actually at John Mays, I just have to say it that way I would assume. John Mays at ratiochristi.org. If you'd like to be a part of our financial support team, uh, we would greatly appreciate that. You can do so on a monthly basis or a one time contribution. Both are tax deductible. You can go to John Mays.ratiochristi.org and click donate. And I have went almost 30 minutes. Hopefully I can cut some of this out. But until then, I hope the that you weren't actually thunderstruck by this particular podcast. I hope it helps you. I will be praying until we meet again. Uh, look for my blog. It will be out on Thursday. And it will give you a written copy of everything that I have said here possibly with a little bit more detail. All right, stand by for Thunderstruck, because this is RC Talk, home of the apologetic connection of the thundering herd at Marshall University.